0: See, we're on a mission from God. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Amanda Qureshi, also known as The Q, and today's guest is someone that I've known for a very long time, both online and off in Austin, Texas, but I've watched her uh, sort of from afar because we're not besties, but uh, you know, we're friends, we're online friends. I've watched her evolve over the last 10 years, and so I'm really excited to bring her here for y'all to get to know her and hear about what she's doing. She's the kind of person that inspires me to follow my creative dreams. Please welcome Ansley Connell. Hi, Ansley. Hey, how are you? I'm good. It's good to to hear you. It's good to see you. We're on Zoom. Um,
1: Thanks for having me. This is really amazing. Whenever you're like, hey, do you want to be on this podcast? I was like, I feel like I tapped into <laughs> Austin royalty. <laughs> like, what you want me to be on your podcast? That's so cool. So, well,
0: that's really nice of you to say. But my podcast <laughs> is not exactly trending. So,
1: yay! <laughs> <today. laughs> Maybe day. not today, <laughs> but you just started it. It's it's bound to make waves because yeah. I mean anything that you do is insightful it's cerebral it's healing it's it it brings a sense of community across like vast amounts of people I mean it's you're incredible I don't know if you know quite the impact that you have on people
0: I don't but thank you that's very nice of you to say I am obliged to tell you I don't believe any of that that (laughs) that's my that's my uh, uh what I'm trying to work through at this point in my life um, which I'm sure you can relate to. I know because I've watched you overcome a lot of your own insecurities and it's pretty, pretty incredible. Like I think people like you and, and like me um, who are willing to kind of live out loud a little bit are, you know, I mean, I've heard people say, oh, TMI, TMI, or, or don't share so much online, but I'm like, well, no, that's actually, that's where I get my inspiration from. And I'm hoping to inspire other people. And if, if people don't like it, they don't have to follow. They have to
1: listen, exactly. right? Exactly. All right, that was something that actually I was really charged with a, a few years back because you know I grew up with deep insecurities and that battled my whole life. You know, insecurity, I've said, has been my medicine, right? You take the medicine, hoping you'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day you finally get better and I don't know if it was the medicine or if it was just the fact that you believed that it would but um you know insecurity was something that I really was like oh but I was charged with this whole idea of like just just be yourself live out loud mm-hmm. out loud share your journey and I've gotten tons of negative feedback but all- way more positive than that so it- I can't believe anyone would give you negative feedback that makes me so mad
0: it's, <laughs> I'm eye
1: rolling in case you can't see it.
0: I mean, there's a difference between constructive. Sure. Attack, which is, a di- but like to, like, I just, I don't understand the mentality of people who go online and are just assholes to people. It makes no sense. Especially creative yeah. people who are, who are really trying to express themselves.
1: Totally. And people who have a message that could possibly help or, you know, get, give someone the avenue to find their own healing. Yeah. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah.
1: Because we've all been through so many traumas. And if we don't talk about them or share anything, then, you know, you think you're alone. But as I've come forward about so many things that I've been through, you know, I've I've gotten a lot of, a lot of private messages that were like, thank you. Mm -hmm. I could never say anything like that about my own journey. I'm just so glad that someone else has been through this. Yeah. thank you for saying that. So, and then someone who's like, don't share that. That's blah, blah, blah. So I'm like,
0: yeah, it's, it's your hangout." Yeah. Okay.
1: Um,
0: well, we're going to kick off the podcast. I mean, I don't want to get too far into the juicy stuff yet, but because okay. uh, I always start with some icebreaker questions. So these are easy. These are things, you know, but they'll help us get to know you a little better and um, they're fun. I think. So the first question is, what is the last thing that you watched on television?
1: Ooh, it was a horrible, horrible Christmas movie. <laughs> I, I actually, I love horrible Christmas movies. In fact, the worse they are, the more I love them because why not, right? <laughs> uh, I think it was called A Princess for Christmas or something like that. I actually stopped the movie. What? And went to bed, which is for me. I was like, "Okay, how far am I?" And it was just like I wanted to gouge my eyes out. So that—that that was the last thing I watched. Was it, uh,
0: was it uh, on
1: Hallmark? That was on Netflix. Netflix. I see. So I, I actually considered. I you know I don't drink anymore, really. so but I a friend gave me a margarita for uh, my Christmas gift. I was like, okay sure uh, i'm not gonna turn this down it was cura's avocado margarita go get nice, one nice. um and so i was like i should drunk tweet this movie <laughs> but i didn't and that is an opportunity missed <laughs> well it's on netflix
0: so you know what that means you can always go back and do it again
1: there's always next year if I <laughs> muster up the courage to suffer through that
0: <laughs> okay so what's your favorite horrible christmas movie
1: Oh, it is. Oh, what is the name? It's the, it's the one where Mariah Carey, I think wrote and directed it and she's in it. It's so terrible. It's got Lacey Chabray and um, the, she was in, she was, so another actress that is in, can I say actress? Can we say actress anymore? Actor, actor, you can strike that, whatever. All right. <laughs> she was in uh, Sister Act. She was one of the nuns. She was also in Hocus Pocus. I forget her name, but she's incredible and I love her. Um, anyway, it's this, it's very Hallmark. It was very sponsored by Folgers and it's got some laughable, laughable Folgers cameos in there that my, uh, a group of my girlfriends and I, we get together every year and watch that movie. And we rewind the Folgers part and just keep playing them over and over until we we have our pants laughing, and it's the greatest. Wow,
0: <laughs> I have never seen it, <laughs> uh, and now I feel that I must.
1: <laughs> you should. It, everyone should. And oh. Mariah Carey has like special lighting, and the writing is not that great. Of course, there. Yeah, it's it's just a classic to me now. Okay. So, um, great answer, not what I was
0: expecting, but <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so then the next question I have for you is, what is the last book that you read?
1: Uh, that I finished or that I'm currently reading?
0: No, no, it, it, you don't have to finish a book to have read Okay. It. And it can be an audio book, too.
1: Also, a little uh, interesting fact about me, some trivia. I tend to not finish books. Mm. I'm, I'm a last two chapters of, you know, abandoner, I guess. Yeah, why? I don't know. I've done this to so many books. Either I start and I'll, you know, I'll get into it and then I'm like, oh, I'll come back to this and then I'll get distracted. I tend to get distracted with stuff, but I think some of it is I don't want it to end.
0: Yeah. I did the same. No. I couldn't watch the end of, I still, I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I couldn't watch the, the end of Schitt's Creek. I like, I haven't, I still haven't watched it
1: because I was I haven't like, I don't, watched it at all. I've watched not, not, not an episode.
0: I loved it so much. I like binged it, but then when it was, as, and I do this with every series that I fall in love with, I will like binge, 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 binge. And then as it gets closer to the end, I'll like start spacing them out and then I'll just stop watching it altogether.
1: It's the same principle. Totally get it. Yeah, totally. You're like, I don't want this to end. If I don't watch it, it's not over. And I can still hang on to these characters. Right. Um, But the book I'm actually currently reading right now is called In the Flow. It's by Elisa Vitti. And I found her her first book, Woman Code, to be incredibly helpful and healing for me. I have PCOS and hormonal imbalance uh, because of that. And with some other... Lots of other reproductive issues. And so she's actually leading the way in women's hormonal health. And so I really wanted to tackle her book, In the Flow. And so I started that over the past couple of months. And it's, it's amazing. She talks a lot about how, you know, women's bodies are very different, you know, biologically, and we should treat them differently in order to support them. Um, And that so many things that we've learned about health, and you know diets or weight loss or you know intermittent fasting all that kind of stuff a lot of it's built off of you know the male body You're right the patriarchy is not for everyone
0: the patriarchy is sure as shit not for everybody <laughs>
1: <laughs> <a> word word <laughs> yeah and she's i mean she has like uh, there are so many ties in this book i'm just like this is the first chapter and i am just like i
0: need to read it
1: yes yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm reading that and, and on the path of healing, hormoneal and down.
0: That's great. I, um, I will share this because I'm, I'm, I've been public with it for a long time, but I had what's called, or I have what's called premature ovarian failure. So I went through menopause at like 35. Oh. So I'm postmenopausal at 46 and have been for 10 years. And it's the same kind of thing where I can't, we don't really know. I mean we think it's some kind of autoimmune thing but um now i spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out how to not let my body deteriorate really quickly because i don't have hormones right so yeah. i totally need to read
1: this book totally and she i mean a lot of what she says is of course relating to women in their reproductive years but you know she has so much for everyone right including kids and postmenopausal yeah and she even says, like, if you are trans, like, read this book, it'll help you engage in your female, you know, your femaleness. So yeah. I just love how she really includes everybody.
0: Okay. I'm sold. That's going on, <laughs> my, it's going on my, in my queue. Yes, I do have a QQ.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Okay.
0: The last question is, what did you have for
1: breakfast? I had half of an everything gluten-free bagel with some cream cheese and smoked salmon.
0: Nice. That's pretty fancy for a Monday morning.
1: <laughs> I'm on um, break, so. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nice. I, school's not in session until, you know, next week. So yeah. I will I will continue to enjoy my bagel with locks. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh,
0: I, I was never a fan of breakfast until the until this COVID thing happened. And now, and I've been home for like every day for months. And I started having breakfast cause I, you know, I'm here with my family and they all get up and they want to eat breakfast. So I just started making breakfast every day. And now I'm like, I can't imagine a life without breakfast.
1: I think there's a reason why they say it's the most important meal of the day. Yeah, yeah. it's also- I always thought that was bullshit. <laughs> No, actually what I'm learning from Elisa Vitti's work is that uh, blood sugar stabilization is the key to women's health. It's like the first level. Wow. So, you know, balancing your blood sugar is part of her whole like flow protocol, which is helping, which is why I am on the path of healing hormonal imbalance in my body. So it's pretty amazing how I used to, you know, just kind of, be like, whatever about breakfast stuff. I was like, I'm awake. I got to go somewhere. I'm just going to eat something, right. but actually eating it and then making sure that, you know, you have something really stable for the morning that can set you up for the rest of the day. Because gotcha. They have found out they, they started calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes. Really? Because it's so linked to your blood sugar. Yeah. Your blood sugar and your brain have, I mean, they're it's all an amazing world. Our bodies are incredible. I mean, I, I realize that's probably a big bomb to drop. <laughs> for some, But I just love how like, okay, we have the answer, you know, stabilize your blood sugar throughout the day. That's important for your brain. You know, it's, it's, I just, I find that fascinating. But my dad's also a doctor. So I grew up learning all about the human body and seeing how amazing it is.
0: Well, I'm like, now, you know, now that I'm getting older and, you know, I've spent the last couple of years really working with family members on some pretty major health issues and navigating the healthcare system and just sort of like trying to, because the, the issue is a lot of it, I mean, even if you have a great doctor, and even if you have health insurance, you still have to do a lot of the legwork yourself. Like you really have to be proactive about learning about your body, understanding your needs, because the doctor sees you, you know, often because they don't have a choice for just like 30 minutes every, <laughs> every few months, right? Like they don't have all the information. So you have to do a lot of that information, gathering and monitoring yourself if you really want to work with a healthcare professional to, like, maintain your, your health for the long term. And, um, and that's, like, kind of like a part-time job. And the older you get, the more time you have to do it.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And you also have to be your own advocate. I mean, that's something that I've learned in the last year. Um, I actually, it's, you know, it was early in February, but I had some breathing issues. and. Yeah. I started feeling a lot of pain in my lungs. And my dad said, you know, you need to go to a doctor and ask for a chest x-ray because this isn't normal for you. And you really, he's like, I would feel better if you got a chest x-ray. So I went to a doctor who was standing in for my normal doctor and she almost didn't want to give me the chest x-ray. And uh, found out that I did have infiltrate in my lung because I had to advocate for myself to get that chest X-ray. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, it's crazy how much you have to advocate for yourself, too. You know, and, and being someone you know with a, a larger body, I tend to be ignored when I, you know, share concerns or say, hey, you know, maybe don't tell me I'm on a diet <laughs> or to go on a diet. Like I'm already doing something that is working for me. Mm-hmm like well whatever fat person I'm
0: gonna
1: yeah brush you off now Yep, that's happened to me so many times so uh yeah having to to learn so much and advocate for yourself and know your body is really important yeah
0: yeah I feel like this is a recurring theme in your life though not just um for your health but like knowing yourself and advocating for yourself because I feel like you have and I know this because I, I watch, you know, I pay attention to what you're putting out there. And over the years, you know, you've continually put yourself out there. and, um, And sometimes it's worked out and sometimes it hasn't. But you you have something within you that says, I, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. And regardless of what convention says, regardless of whether you get negative feedback, regardless of whatever, if this is something you really believe in for yourself, you're willing to go out there and, and do it right. And do it wholeheartedly. That's really hard to do. And I, I feel like this is just a part of who you are. Like you can learn to do this. I mean, a lot of People, especially a lot of women, have to learn how to do this. But I really feel like this is part of what makes you Ansley is that even when you have insecurities and self doubts, there's still something inside of you that's like, man, no, fuck that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep going. I'm <laughs> going to keep trying this. You know, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing to see it. I love it. And so I want to kind of switch over just a little bit and talk about what you're, you know, what you're actually doing creatively. Cause to me, that's just incredible. I just, I remember a few years ago, you're like, I, I'm a singer, right? Like, and, and it wasn't like, like we knew, we knew you had talent and whatever. And like, and you were doing, you used to do all, like all kinds of artistic things and whatever, but like, you're not, you're not like, I'm a singer. And I'm like, oh, is that true? Okay. All right. Let's see. And you <laughs> just kept, like, kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. And then next thing I know this, this year, this year, you this year. actually released your first album. I did. Right? I did. (laughs) Crazy, Ansley. Like, and how many people say that? How many people are like, I want to be a singer? And and it just never happens for them. So how, talk to me about this.
1: Oh man, I feel like I could talk all day. Okay, good. It's, it's (laughs) so how I got started with the whole singing thing, which a lot of people don't know, because, you know, when I moved to Austin, I was actually a photographer. I just graduated with a degree in visual communication. Communication with a focus in photography and photojournalism. And so I did the photography thing, and then I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, Plus, you know, I'd always had a sense of an eye for fashion or whatever. And I was like, I want to make clothes for bigger girls that are cute and fun and sustainable. And so I did that. And thank you for modeling for me. That's
0: right. I did. (laughs) That was so much fun. (laughs) It
1: was
0: fun. I felt amazing. I've never, like, obviously, I'm not. Like model material, but like uh, you are, when you asked me to, I was like, "Oh hell yes, I will!"
1: I loved it. I loved, it. and I loved the the dress that you had on was perfect for you, and I just I thought it was great. So I was remembering that when I was preparing for this, so I was like, "Oh, she modeled for me the the Whole Foods fashion show, right?" Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was cool. So, anyway, thanks for doing that. <laughs> Still, That's years cool. later, it was what eight years, 12, seven years ago, not 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, people knew me as that because I had, you know, that was my whole life for a while. And I kind of put music on the back burner, but it was something that I thought about every single day and something that I wanted to do. And I was like, oh, I live in Austin. Why am I not singing? okay so
0: did you do this growing up like it was was it something? oh yeah okay all right
1: so it was interesting I would you know in my hometown I was known as a singer and you know the place where I grew up and then went to college I started learning photography so you know I got into the photography realm and then when I moved to Austin I'm basically known as a fashion designer for the first half and then it took I mean it took a life coach at the time to come into my studio and, and look around and be like, wow, you really don't want to do this. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, you're seeing through me right now. (laughs) Yeah. And so he was like, what do you want to do? And I just was stunned to silence because I had, you know, I had built my life around being a clothing designer. I mean, this was like all my friends were either my models or, other clothing designers (laughs) you know I mean I that's just was the world that I lived in and I was too afraid to to do the whole singing thing because designing was also not cheap so Hmm. (laughs) all of my money is here right I'm gonna do
0: okay so I I just I gotta know this yeah grew up singing why did you decide to go into visual arts in college
1: I was afraid that if I studied music, that I would hate it. Oh, that makes because sense. I heard, yeah, because I had heard, you know, once you study something, you don't love it as much. And I was like, well, I guess I'll do something else that I like a lot and see how that goes. So,
0: <laughs> did you? Did, uh, so you know Eileen, right? Eileen had. A-
1: Yes. Happy birthday to her.
0: Yeah. We're recording on Eileen's birthday. She was my very first podcast interview, but she's, you know, she's now writing, right? She, but she started out in graphic design and she had a very similar kind of thing where she did study design and art in college. And she's like, it ruined me as an artist. Mm. (laughs) And now she's like doing something she never actually like went to school for, but she's kicking ass at it. So maybe you're onto something.
1: You know, I think we in life, we tend to come full circle with who we are, you know, whether that takes an entire lifetime or if it hits you in the face in your mid 20s, you know, like it did with me. Yeah. Um, and it, even then, it took me a while to find my footing. And I've been working on this album that I released um, in September. I've been working on it for over five years. So I hit a wall every single thing I tried to do and I mean, this was the third time I recorded the actual album. And I I did it last, I mean, it was pretty much done last October, but it took me a while to just be like, am I ready to do this? Am I ready to put it out? You know, am I ready to invest even more than I've already (laughs) invested, you know, in order to have this product or this, you know, I mean, it is a, it's not necessarily a trophy, but it's like Mm -hmm. a defining moment in your career is Mm -hmm. having an album and I would see all these other bands that were like we're on our fifth album Like, how do you do that (laughs) how (laughs) so it's uh I think it's it's just one of those things it's the it's like what I was saying earlier it's the medicine (laughs) you know that you have to give yourself in order to be on the path that you need to be on
0: yeah okay so go back to the life coach because he came in kind of checked your shit and you're like oh wow I'm already so invested in this thing that I don't really want to be invested in I think that's something a lot of people can relate to and I think a lot of people hold themselves back from changing or or doing certain things because they feel like they've like the it's just insurmountable that they would have to give up all this stuff that they've invested in all these relationships and And then try something starting from scratch what what tell me about your process of like having that reality sink in and then what made you take that leap because that's a huge ass leap
1: it is um it's so in the moment you know he i felt like he saw him through me and i had nothing to give him because i was so afraid of even saying anything um about it because everything that we just shared so he was like what is it you really want to do and I just <laughs> was stunned in silence like uh, what do you mean this is my whole life this is what I want to do right <laughs> he was like what do you really want to do it's like the panic was setting in and then he goes what the fuck do you want to do ansley and he like kicked this big box and all this fabric was fabric flying everywhere and i finally just broke down i said i want to sing what it took my breath away it was like one of those weird movie moments (laughs) where it sounds like a show me the money moment exactly it just (laughs) all came out and i was and then i just like i broke down because i said that that was what I wanted to do and your words are so powerful so he was like there it is there you go and I don't I did before then I never cried in front of a man that was just not or at least someone I wasn't in a relationship with and so I was like I mean ugly cry snot coming out of my face mascara everywhere I mean it was Rough. (laughs) And he goes, Good, that's good. You're going to start your band on Monday. So I got on Craigslist. I found one member and I was friends with two other people who joined me. And we started a little cover band that was (laughs) rocky and hard to do, but it was, you know, it started something. And that was in 2013. And, you know, the bands, you know, as every band does, has taken on several different forms. I, uh, I'm really glad that I kept with it because there were so many times that I was just like, oh, do I need to do this? Am I good enough? You know? Yeah. Oh, uh, what do I do? <laughs> I can't do this, right? All of the the hamster wheel that your mind goes on when you're a creative or anyone who's alive, I guess, in yeah. trying do something different or something that really is important to them.
0: But why do you keep going then?
1: Because uh, I have to. Right. I have to. Right. It's, it's me. You know, I grew up singing. I grew up, I grew up singing in the church and at school. And my dad had a music festival in our backyard every year for about 13 years. What? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I am from Statesboro, Georgia, and there's nothing going on there at all. It's about an hour away from Savannah, inland, and so it's, uh, it's a it's very small town. And we'd have a thousand people in our backyard for a weekend, you know. And it was just something that we did the first the first Saturday of August every year. It was hot, but no one cares. Right before school started, so you know, more people were available to, to come. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of food. We, you know, there were a lot of bands. We had a family band. Um, I was actually, I think in two family, two family band projects, or at least in two projects with my dad, but um, it was a lot of fun. And so my dad basically was like, Hey, you're going to sing that. He called it the, his annual fire ant, Blues Fest. Because I mean, we grew up going to all kinds of music festivals, and my my parents were a long time uh, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Fest uh, goers for a really really long time. Um, So he wanted to create that for himself in our backyard. And I think he did a pretty good job, you know, considering it was a small town and it was family run. Um, And so And we had a lot of fun. He did a great job. I'm going to say that he did a great job. Dad, that is amazing. Great job. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It was so fun. No,
0: it's incredible. I, I, uh, a couple episodes before this one, I I talked to a friend of mine in Canada, Bob LeDrew. He and his partner actually before COVID uh for many years have had uh like house concerts in the same similar thing they're much smaller scale they'll have like 30 to 50 people over um, you know they'll have the artist stay with them they'll give all the money in cash to the art and they do it just because they love it right yeah. something you're passionate about but um, I just I think that is such an incredible thing and I, I guess what I'm really moved by is how You know, everybody tells you you have to have this business model, right? Or they they want you to like monetize every step of the way. And for a lot of people, it's not about that. And that doesn't mean that you can't make money that way, but that's not what's driving it. And in fact, I think some of the best shit comes when you're just doing it because of what you were saying, because you have to do it. That doesn't mean be stupid and like, just, you know, let people take advantage of you or let somebody mismanage your income. None of that. What it means is what is really motivating you? What is making you excited? And for your dad to like put on this thing, you know, every year for you to make this decision that maybe financially didn't even make sense, but it it spoke to you so deeply. You were like, there is no other choice. This is what I have to do.
1: Usually the things that speak to me don't make financial sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sometimes I mean I, I feel like that's changing a lot these days but yeah it's you know he would I mean I would sing for everything growing up you know usually in a choir thing I didn't do a whole lot of solos but I always had this eagerness to sing and I always loved it and um we would my dad had a small airplane. This is just a weird little side story, but my dad had a small airplane. And so when we would go, you know, see family members or something like that, you know, if I, if they would have the headsets on and I wouldn't because they could talk to each other about whatever. And it just depended on what was available at the time. Sometimes the headsets were broken, whatever. So I would just take off my headset if I had it or I wouldn't have one. And I just sing because there's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm very loud. And I thought no one could hear me, but apparently they heard me every time and they didn't tell me for years. So like, Oh yeah, we loved hearing you sing in the airplane. It was really weird, but we loved it.
0: <laughs> amazing.
1: I just, I was always singing all the time. And so my dad came, you know, came up to me one night, he handed me a CD. He said, you're going to sing at fire end this year, learn these songs. And I was like, what me like as the lead singer of our family band no because everyone's gonna be listening and no like, how am i i no dad this is bad this is a bad idea it's gonna be bad so it's like you love to sing you're gonna sing so the first song i ever sang on the band live was kiss me by Sixpence none the venture oh and they loved it and so after that then i mean i've got a bunch of I mean, I started singing the national anthem at my school's, you know, sports functions. And then they had me singing at the university in my hometown. I mean, it really like kind of snowballed. So whenever I moved to Austin and was like, I'm a clothing designer. Everybody that I knew from, you know, my past from my hometown was like, what? <laughs> Wait, why? <laughs> why would you do that? So, you know. That's
0: amazing. Okay. So how did your dad react when you told him? I'm giving up designing. I want to be, I'm going to be in a band. Um,
1: I think, I think they wanted me to sing for, because I mean, it's, I don't have the story of, you know, my parents don't want me to sing because they don't think it's whatever, whatever. They've always pushed me to sing. Hmm. And it was kind of like, yes, finally, she's doing this again because they knew that it was, I mean, they just knew that it was part of me, that it was something that I needed to do and something that I had neglected for a while. Yeah. And I had actively done that. You know, I, I told myself, I'm going to put this to the side for a little bit to try this thing. And I think, you know, everything, for everything, there's a season. Yep. And there was a season that I was making dresses, you know, helping. I mean, I, I think really it was helping women discover that they are beautiful And that it doesn't matter what society thinks or, you know, all these retailers that try to feed this whole weight loss doctrine, you know, it's, they finally saw themselves and felt beautiful. And that was what I wanted to give them. And I think- Did you want to give it to them or
0: did you want to give it to yourself?
1: I think I also wanted to give it to myself. But man, I loved- I, you know, I used to cry in dressing rooms when I was growing up because it fit and I hated that. I was like, there's going to be no crying in my dressing room. Okay. That was the main purpose. <laughs> I wanted to have fun and, uh, you know, have clothes that fit and look really cute and yeah. love. And so I got so many dressing room criers because they finally were like I feel pretty for the first time <laughs> and it, you know it wasn't me like here you're pretty now it's like here you are pretty just as you are yeah whatever you want to be just as you are and here's something that speaks to you because most I mean most of these dresses were custom made something that they wanted yeah. they want on my body because I've never seen that right and they're like this is me Thank you, and so I was like, "Thank you for helping me in this." I mean, it was just—it was a beautiful, beautiful time in my life. Wow. It was hard, though. It was a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, so, and then doing that with like a lot of depression and you know insecurity and stuff was—it was a crazy, crazy time.
0: Yeah. So, how do you how do you resolve the insecurity with your? drive to be a performer because a performer you're basically putting yourself out there all the time like it's it's there that's non-negotiable you have to be on a stage (laughs) if you're a a performer right and um and then but at the same time you know you have to battle these demons of am I good enough am I beautiful enough am I this am I that and what does that look like to do battle with yourself and what does it look like to win that battle and and I don't just mean for all time I mean I I think we're always going to be recovering from insecurity at at least I will but I think every time you overcome it you get a little stronger and every time you put yourself out there and stand in the spotlight you get a little stronger and so what does that look
1: like for you? So if you had met me when I was just starting out singing, I couldn't even talk to anyone the day of any performance because I'm so riddled with nervousness, anxiety, self-doubt, just, I mean, I couldn't eat the day that I was singing because it was so hard for me because of everything that you just said. (laughs) And now, you know, it's gotten a lot better, but I still get really nervous um, for anything. And I think it was, uh, Tony Bennett who said to Amy Winehouse, that just shows that you care, Mm. you know? And, and I appreciate that he said that to her, um, in the documentary, Amy, it was really good to see that I'm not alone in that, you know, and even an incredible performer and singer like Amy Winehouse, she was still, I mean, she would get nervousness, and that seeing that actually helped me a lot like okay if one of my most favorite singers ever had you, even a shred of nervousness before she went out to perform okay I think I can also handle mine <laughs> so it's it's an ongoing conversation with yourself you know where you have to reconcile you know what you think could go wrong with what you believe that you are meant to do i mean it's it's all on the same playing field at the same time well you're just kicking the ball around so it's uh it's a mental battle that it will probably go on for my entire life and and it's not just performing it's it's also you know putting an album out it's saying here watch my new video or hey you buy my music or you know any of those things it, it comes up it's it's like hey I'm still here <laughs> it's like pounding on your door like a police you know like hello I'm here um it's uh yeah but I, I think whenever you have that you know deep insecurity everything could go wrong they might hate me I might and yeah, I've had my voice crack on things that were important <laughs> and that just sounded awful because I wasn't warmed up. And, you know, you, you have to be prepared. You learn a lot as you go along. Um, but there's still that fear. Um, but on the, like I said, on the opposite side, there is this sense of purpose. And that sense of purpose is what drives me. Because this, I mean, I get a feeling when I saying that I cannot get anywhere. It's like a sense of home. And like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is what I, you know, I meant to do. Um, and I, I don't, I don't get that with anything else. Yeah. So even though I might, you know, <laughs> get major anxiety and lots of wonderful bodily functions that come with that uh before an actual gig once i actually start singing i usually relax a lot and then it's like yes this is what i'm doing this is great and i've had bad gigs where i'm like oh should i never sing again (laughs) and then it starts the process you know two steps forward five steps back on some things Mm -hmm. um you know it's still that sense of purpose you know i get back up there and i try it again and then it's better Uh, every gig is different too
0: so. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, I mean, from what I've heard from other people who I admire, uh, people who have overcome, you know, certain things to do what they, what they're doing, what they're, you know, what they want to do. Um, it's a some I, I've heard similar kind of themes through through all of those, and I I feel like I feel like you're just, I mean in a lot of ways you're just not willing to compromise this thing about yourself that you know is true and that's the that's what it boils down to is there's this thing that you know is true and you're willing to compromise almost anything else in the world but that thing (laughs) and that's what that's what you're gonna that's that's the hill you're gonna die on. That's the one that you're gonna be like, I I don't care what happens to me. I'm gonna do this, and that is what helps you overcome your fears. I guess I don't know.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So talk to me just a little bit about your body positivity stuff because I I mean I know that fashion has was part of that, but you've maintained that through, and it's become part of your almost your personal brand, part of your. um, your persona as a, as an artist and, you know, you, you perform under the name Savannah red and talk to me a little bit about the origin of that name and how you kind of have crafted this persona as a, as a woman, as a woman who I hate calling women plus size, who's curvy, who is beautiful, who isn't, you know, this normative definition of what is beautiful you know, what, what the fashion industry is calling beautiful. You have defined beauty on your own terms and still out there slaying. How did that come about? Because what you've got, I, I mean, I, I, and this is extraordinary. I mean, we've talked about how you have to overcome your own resistance, but then when you put yourself out there as somebody who falls outside of certain norms and whether that's gender, size, skin color, religion, sexuality, whatever, if you, then you encounter external resistance too, which is even harder. Like it's as if you've doubled the resistance. So now how did you push through that and claim yourself as this person, this performer, as this identity of Savannah Red and, and make it happen?
1: To be honest, I think I'm still pushing through it. Wow. I think it's a daily thing. Um, But, you know, everything's a journey and process. So I think it really just goes back to that sense of purpose, you know. And when I shaved my head in 2012, I did it because, you know, for women especially hair has so much baggage you know it's it's our identity sometimes yep um and I'm sure you could definitely speak to that in a lot of different ways um because I've loved everything that you've done with your beautiful hair including today <laughs> 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 That's awesome um I just you know, I realized whenever I started really hating myself and wanting to be someone else was whenever I changed my hair. Mm. Um, I started bleaching it. I put, I did sun in. Oh no. Sun in it. Oh, it was bad. It was awful. I'm getting
0: flashbacks <laughs> to the eighth grade.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it was seventh or eighth grade for me. Um, and so I was like, I, you know, and I, just went from there and had different hair colors until one day I decided to shave it all off and see myself for the first time. And I mean, you're looking at unbleached, still virgin hair from that experience. Um, And I didn't realize what I was getting myself into whenever I said I want to see myself for the first time because I really saw myself, <laughs> the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> um, but it, it was, a, it, you know, it was my teacher. It taught me to really embrace who I am. And that will always be a journey, I think, especially as we are constantly messaged with all, you know, it's, it's not profitable to love yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's one thing. So That's as long as right. like you know, there's people who make money off of your insecurities. We're gonna have these messages. So you know, s- you know, sifting through all that shit. You know, just being like, this is me. This is what I do. This is who I am. And fuck everybody if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. I think hitting thirty-five, you know, on that journey because my birthday was um, earlier this month. I was like, this is who I am. <laughs> this is what I do. And I'm going to stop apologizing for that to myself first. And then the rest of the world can also deal with it. Yep. Um, and that's been really freeing. I think the pandemic has really helped me take even a closer look into all of those things. Like, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is, you know, these are the things that are important to me. These are the people important to me. Um, and I think if we're not looking at that through all of this, then we're probably mostly distracted. <laughs> Cause yeah. I think it's really brought that out for most of us. Um and I think it's a good thing. It can be, it can be really hard, but and it has been hard for me um, in a lot of ways. But yeah. I think just, you know, that which is why I released the album. It's like this is what I'm gonna do. And I haven't done it and I'm I'm doing it now. And even though it's probably bad timing for most people, um, this is still, this is me. And I need to do this for myself. And who cares if it's bad timing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be done. Um, so yeah, and, and I think I had some pretty strong messages on the album that I released that been just kind of pent up for a long time because no one had heard the songs. So now it's out there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go write new stuff that I've been thinking about for a while since I've had, you know, so much focus on this, but I don't even know if that answered your question.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. And it resonates so much with me because I had a similar experience this year. Like I, I think a lot of people had this where we've, you know, we spent so much time doing stuff and being distracted and then we came home and we just sort of had to look at ourselves and every day you know there wasn't enough to keep us distracted and so we started noticing little cracks here and there and this and that and um, you know i had a lot of i really wrestled with myself and my identity as a you know as a as a woman as a religious person uh, as a professional Uh, who, you know, and as a, as a person who's now 46 and what is it that I really want out of my life and, and my appearance and like, who am I, what do I look, how do I want to look? And I think, you know, this is like uh, a really great example is, you know, when you're at home, when you're working from home and you don't have to travel and you don't have to go to conferences or whatever, you, you can do whatever the hell you want. (laughs) So you can experiment a little, you can try stuff on. And what where I landed, it's really funny because I, I did a, I do a vision board every year. And last year my um, my vision was being fabulous, right? I was like, I'm gonna be fabulous in 2020. And oh my fucking god, I was not fabulous. Like 2020 was a shit show, <laughs> right? I, and I started out the year, I think with like a graying Bob. <laughs> right. And uh, just like sort of feeling like this is, you know, I, I and, and as I went into the year, I was like, I'm going to be this middle aged, fabulous, you know, literary woman. And I, that was my vision board. I'm ending the year with a bleach blonde faux hawk starting a youtube channel and i feel fucking awesome like yeah (laughs) and 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 what's so funny is i actually like halfway through the year i like took down my vision board and i threw it in the fireplace and burned it i was like yeah all of that and then i just (laughs) forgot about it i just forgot about it and then all of a sudden like about a week ago i'm like holy shit i'm fabulous and i totally did live up to my goals in 2020 except they just didn't look the same as they did on that vision board. So I think this idea of like looking at yourself, seeing the good, bad and the ugly and and also seeing where you're not actually who you really want to like who you really are, like all the pretenses that we put on of what are you? Well, I'm not all those things that I was pretending to be for a long time. And it's like once I shoved that off of me, I like felt lighter and I'm like, oh, no, I know who the fuck I am. I feel amazing right now, right? And yes. it's it's all it, it. But it was such a painful process because it required an enormous amount of um, reckoning. And and in a way, it was almost like what you were saying with your your uh, your designing stuff. I had invested so much of myself into an identity and into uh, my uh, you know a certain way of looking and dressing and acting and being. And when I finally looked at myself and I'm like, that's not who I am. I was like, shit, I don't wanna, where do I start now? Like, wh- what do I do? So I think the real um, benefit to this year was that I had the time to not have to do anything. I just sort of went with my intuition. I was like, well, I'm, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take all that off. I'm gonna sit here and I'm just gonna wait for it to come to me. And I'm just gonna follow my instincts. And it's, it's worked pretty well so far. I think
1: I think it's working for you at this point
0: <laughs> right, right but it's the same it's the same kind of thing where you're just like I I know you know you you know some things but you, you have this like outline but you're not really sure how to color it all in and I didn't want it to be crafted right I didn't I wanted it to be organic I wanted it to be fully myself I didn't want it to be like a branding strategy for myself right mm. and so allowing yourself to just sort of bleed through the lines and just become this thing that you are, as opposed to, you know, strategically trying to plan your personal brand is, is an amazing, amazing gift. And for all the shit that has happened in 2020, I'm really
1: grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. I think, um, I think it was, when did the Lion King come out? The life for, or the real life version or whatever they call that the live action version that's yeah. what it is. did that that came out this year right it did it i think it did oh my god maybe it came out last year i don't know <laughs> it's been the long it's been like 10 years in one year yeah. <laughs> the the decade of 2020 um and you know the, the part where you know the dad says spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it um, where have you been? But he says, you know, remember who you are. Remember who you are. I feel like this is the year where we remember who we are because so many things have been taken away from us. I mean, just today, uh, someone in my family or who was a part of my family um, is no longer because of divorce, but someone who was in my family. Directly, you know, for, or indirectly for about 10 plus years, he passed from oh, COVID oh last my night. my God. And it's one of those things where this is real, as we know, but what am I going to do with my life? Because people are dying around us. And those of us who get to survive this year, if we're not being tasked with the, I guess, the the big question of, you know, who are you? What are you about? What are you going to do for this? Um, And I don't know. Maybe, there, and I'm sure there are some people who don't ask that question. Maybe they're dealing with it in different ways, but I think a lot of us have dug our heels in or like, okay, what am I going to learn from this? How is this going to affect me or impact me positively? And some people, it's just kind of been thrown upon them to do that Um, because you know it's hard it's hard right now harder than we've ever had it and in order to keep going from all of this you know because there will be an end to this I feel very certain that there will be an end you know we like kind of that movie moment of coming out from the rubble you know of like the building that just fell down and there's everyone's dusty and you know we've gotten blood somewhere that's probably getting actively infected. Um, how are we <laughs> I don't know what he thinks that when I watch movies um, you know how like what what's next? What are we gonna do next? And I think a lot of it is like defining who we are and and just being okay. We have to be okay with ourselves right now. Yeah. Because those of us who aren't, and I've and I've been through this. Um, you know, I've I've shared several times that I've had, you know, suicidal thoughts and tendencies before. And there's probably about five times throughout this year that I've been like, "Is today the day?" You know. But I haven't done that, and so I, I keep trying to give hope for for others who do have that same, the same thoughts that I've had so many times, like we're going to live through this. And if you need help, I'm here with you. And these are the demons that I've battled. And this is what I want to do afterwards, after this is done, because I know that there will be an end. So what, what are we going to do now in order to, to prepare? Cause I feel like this is a big time to prepare. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it served me in a lot of ways. Um, so,
0: yeah, that's an enormous amount of like mental fortitude to be able to, to recognize even in a state of hopelessness that there's something else that that nothing is ever going to you know everything changes that eventually it will change eventually things will get better there are ups and downs and you know I will be completely brutally honest to say that I in the last two years I've had the same struggles right I've often thought if not I should end my life because I I still I think the thing that keeps me hanging on there is that I have my teenagers and i know that it would just i mean i i don't think i could do it to them it's not that i couldn't do it to myself (laughs) i couldn't do it to them but um but then the other you know the thing that i often will say is there are days when the only thing that keeps me going is this idea that i don't have to be around forever right like yeah i'm if i can just just make it through just suffer through um so i know that kind of anguish i know that kind of anguish it is an awful awful anguish to just feel like there's no hope and there's no purpose for you and that there's no that you you have no value um and e- and, and even if you think that you or even if that you know that you do uh you know i mean depression is a liar it makes you believe that you don't, and so I, I completely get that, and I, I think that we often, I mean, obviously it's important to get help. It's important to reach out for help. It's important to have, um, you know, doctors and therapists that can help us. We have those things, but even with those things, there are challenges, and uh, I, for one, really appreciate it when I hear people like you, and we talked about this earlier, who are willing to live out loud and say the things that nobody wants to say, because in the end, I I think the thing that is most painful is the feeling that you're alone, right? And if somebody else can at least mirror it and say, I feel you, I've been where you are, I am where you are, it's going to be okay, then that's the thing that can keep you Afloat just long enough, just long enough to to grab one tiny little glimmer of hope and hold on to it and keep going forward. But it is it has not been an easy year, right, uh, for yeah. anybody, uh, especially for people battling, you know, addiction or mental health problems or um, or whatever. And I'm just so grateful for my own community of which you are a part people who I try to surround myself with online and offline are people who uh, are real and authentic and who are willing to be themselves a hundred percent and to do it in a way that um uplifts and inspires without you know the toxic positivity it's done in a way that is genuine and that shows concern for the people around you around us it's a it's a really beautiful thing and honestly I don't know how we could have all made it through this pandemic without our internet friends
1: seriously <laughs> seriously yeah.
0: like if we just imagine if we'd been completely cut off and I, I can't even
1: I don't want to imagine that
0: Right. You didn't tell me, though, about the name Savannah Red. That oh, yeah,
1: was. that's right. That's right. So I was in college, and I was with my dad while we were practicing for the fire, Ant, you know, festival. And he was just, he played more in bass at that time. So he was just like, you know, right, <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> noodling around on his bass. And I had hair, you know, the color of a fire engine and so, or a fire truck. And so he was like, have you ever thought about a stage name? And I was like, no. He said, well, you know, you're you're really getting into a lot of jazz and blues and stuff like that. And a lot of a lot of blues singers and some jazz singers have a, a stage name, you know, have you thought about that? Like, no, I haven't. At all. So he said, What about Savannah Red? So I was like, I like that. And I was 19 at the time. So you know, I didn't really thought about anything like that. So it was a it was a cool concept. So I started singing, you know, he introduced me that year as Savannah Red. Wow. That's and I sang, I think I sang in college under that name for a pageant, yeah. I entered the Miss Barry pageant. I got it second runner up too. Whoa, <laughs> feeling fancy. <laughs> <laughs> so I put together a little band, and it was you know Savannah Red and something something. I forgot what I called them. Um, and then I, you know, was thinking about a name for my photography because I started out as Ansley Canal Photography, and then it's like, uh, eh, I think I should call that Savannah red too. So the photography was Savannah red photography. Then I had the Savannah red curvy couture, the clothing line. And then when it came time for me to sing again, Savannah red music.
0: Yeah. Excellent. I love that your dad has been this constant theme in your, you know, in your inspiration and in your music and has been so supportive of you. And uh, I hope I hope he's proud of you. He should be proud of you.
1: I believe that he is. Yeah. <laughs> I actually dedicated the album to him. And I wrote that if you ever listen to the album, there's, um, I think it's track number six. Yes. Track number six called between dreams. And it's a song that I wrote from his perspective when You know, there's a very sweet moment that I had with him when I was, I think I was about 16 and he was leaving. um, We were on vacation with a bunch of other families and he was, um, you know, we had a small airplane at that time and he was flying um, someone back home from Key West. We were in Key West. So he was flying someone back home. And so he was saying goodbye to, you know, me and my mom. I think we were the only two on that vacation at the time with the other families. I have two older brothers. Um, I don't think they were with us, but he just came in and he was, you know, it was really early and he was like, don't wake up. I'm just coming here to tell you I love you. You know, he's so, you know, the, the parental watching you sleep kind of cute moment. And so I just remember that and it was a very sweet moment. And so I wrote a song about it and that was, that's track number seven. I wrote it as if it was from his perspective. And I dedicated the album to him. Wow. He's been, he's, he has put in probably more work than I did, you know, from until I started, you know, my band on getting my music career going because yeah. he just saw that in me and he's a musician himself. So he really wanted me to pursue that um, because it was important to both of us. So it's uh yeah and my mom's been there the whole time she's like baby girl if I had a voice like yours I wouldn't do anything but sing and I'm like so-. <laughs> she wants me to sing country though so maybe wanted to do a country album for yeah,
0: her that would be so sweet <laughs> all right yeah, well but- I, yeah I'm gonna make sure that I link to your um to your album Uh, Yeah, so people can find you and, you know, your website and all your other stuff. And I hope that people do find you and do listen to you and do follow you online and um, continue to support you. And, and you are really I, I, I'm not just saying this, I really mean that you do inspire me in so many ways. And I feel I feel really lucky to have you as or to be in community with you and maybe we don't see each other in person very often but having you in my you know my world is delightful and i'm i'm just i'm proud to know you and i'm proud of who you are and what you've become and i'm I'm grateful to you for inspiring me
1: thank you i feel the same way whenever you go away i feel so sad (laughs) i really love everything that you post just because i mean you share, you know, you're like me, you share the things that you have been thinking about and things that have changed you and things that are hard, Um, you know, and, and we're all with you there. And I love that about you. And I love that, you know, you really bring people together. I mean, you have this community because of you and you make a major impact on everybody. And we're all better people for
0: knowing you. Uh, now I'm totally embarrassed. Cut that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, um, I hope you'll come back uh, when you're, you know, top of the charts. No, actually, you can't because this is a podcast for non famous people. Okay.
1: Well, I'm glad that I got in here now.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I got in on the ground floor. So when you become famous, people are going to be like hitting up my YouTube being like, oh, I want to hear what happened, how she was before she got famous. You modeled for her. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah. yeah, I know her. I know her. She was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, it's a good thing. Um, I, I wish you lots of luck and success. Thank and you. Uh, I hope that you get to a point where you can't be on my podcast anymore because you're too famous.
1: I mean, it's it's a bittersweet feeling, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Well, thank you so much for everything. You're wonderful, and this was a delight to my Christmas break from teaching children. So, <laughs> yes, I love them, but this is nice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Take so care.
0: Have a good rest of your break and uh, stay safe, please.
1: Thank you. Happy New Year. And don't come back! Till you've redeemed yourselves.